This is the Blended Creole Podcast, where we discuss two lives, Southern and Haitian roots. Join us as we talk about family, investing, and seeing the world. While learning about how we tackle blending our lives, from our finances and redefining our relationship with debt, to our Insta family. Welcome to the Blended Creole Podcast. I'm Jay. And I'm Liz. podcast this is episode number four and today jay do you want to tell them what we're going to talk about we're going to talk about where we are today with debt yes the big d word not the big d not the, the most other d word. <laughs> <laughs> you can see where our minds always at anyway <laughs> but let's talk about a different type of debt relapse mm, talk about it so, as you guys know, if you tuned in to our second podcast episode, and even the first one, we've paid off about $400,000 worth of debt. Um, that was mainly consumer debt at the time. Uh, we each already had uh, a rental property. So, total, when we started our debt journey, I had a basically $200,000 worth of debt. 136 in consumer debt and 54 in a rental property as far as the mortgage. I had about 180k in debt, and most of that was consumer debt between credit cards, student loans, personal loans, uh, 401k loans, and quite a few per in one business loan. So that was that has been paid off, or it was paid off. It was paid off. It was paid off. It was. And you'll hear why as you listen to us today. But we did pay off $400,000 worth of debt in the span of about two to three years. And I also had a, a two rental pro three rental properties, two that I sold in and one that I kept. So, um, and that was bringing in a profit every month. So we just decided there was no point in selling that one. How much uh, rental property debt did you have at that time? At the time I had, uh, let's do the math. Uh, I had about four. 400,000 rental property debt. So you had a multi-unit that was sold. Regrettably sold. You don't want to talk about that. You don't want to talk about that. One day we will. Tune in. We will talk about that. Our real estate regrets. That was bought and sold within the span of two years, but it did make a profit. It was making a profit of about 1500 a month when I had it mm. and then uh, made a profit of additional 60000 when I sold it. Which you used to pay off, which piggy, which debt. sparked the, the the debt snowball. I had another, uh, and I offloaded two of my properties in New Jersey, um, because I wasn't there anymore. It was too difficult to property manage there, um, and they were condos, and I hate condo association fees. Yes, you'll hear why. So, um, I could tell you why now because they just come Crazy randomly. Stupid. They increase their prices for no reason. Um, so I can't stand condo associations, but I sold I sold those two condos and made a small profit. One I made, one I took a loss. The other I made uh, I made a a nice profit, and that, those two those three sales um, jump started my debt free journey. So how much uh, rental property debt did you keep? Because you kept one property, so one property in Baltimore, which is where we primarily invest. I kept seventy thousand seventy two seventy five thousand dollars in. In real estate, real estate, in so real estate debt. So again, we paid off four hundred thousand, which was most of our consumer debt. Um, I was able to pay off pretty much everything that I had on my plate except for student loans. Um, not all of my student loan debt, which was 
in the 80,000 figure, the bulk. <laughs> yes, I had a house in student loan debt. Um, but we'll always feel blessed I was able to pay off towards that. Um, so today, Jay, how much debt do we have? Today we have roughly $500,000 of debt. Ooh. And that is, yes, that is half a million dollars in debt. Um, uh. 95000 in credit card debt, 25000 in student loan debt, 70000 in personal loans, and 305000 in split between five rental properties. Yes. Um, now we do have an income, uh, between the two of us, of about 300,000 a year. So we both as federal government employees are blessed, uh, to be in a position to make six figures. Um, so I make about 125,000 a year and Jay makes about 120,000. Um, in addition to that, how much does our, do our rental properties bring in? Annually, we make about $40,000 on rental properties. Um, so yeah, don't cry for us as far as the debt. It's not, it's, it's a, it's a, it is a large amount of debt. Um, it's so large that we're uncomfortable at this stage. Very. Um, well, I wouldn't (laughs) say very, but we are uncomfortable at this stage. It's a, it's a, it's a slight, not necessarily panic, but, um, a caution that, you know, that we noticed once we finally came together, moved in together, lived together. Started looking at Jay's spreadsheet. Yeah. And I have a bunch of them. And consolidated our consolidated our income, and you know, start we 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 decided that it may be a good idea to to start fresh after we noticed the amount of debt that we had. That five hundred thousand dollars is a is a is a very very big number. Thankfully. It's a big number, but it's also unnecessary. I think that's what makes me uncomfortable is that it's it's unnecessary debt for us to carry. Yes, we can pay our bills perfectly fine every month. Yes, we still have excess that we could throw towards savings. But I think there's just a better way for us to live moving forward. And honestly, um, you know, when you know your partner, really what started to make me uncomfortable if, you know, I had to be perfectly honest, is seeing how uncomfortable Jay started to seem. That he literally went from being like, oh, we're good, we're good, we're good, to... We got to get back to Dave Ramsey paying this stuff off. And I was like, oh, no, here comes the reiteration of like the super militant, very much pay off debt. We're not going to be doing anything. We can't live our best lives anymore because we got to throw all this money towards debt. And honestly, like starting off our marriage, I was not in a place or I'm not in a place where like I really want to be that hard car hardcore focus if there's another course that we could take to do this better uh, is there i mean i guess we can have the conversation I don't, I don't understand why that why that is an issue to be back in that place i mean we we created this debt right we 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 did we created it and and for the audience it's not this debt isn't just reckless credit we didn't go back into we didn't relapse as far yes. as going back into consumer debt and just buying stuff or shopping or, so the 95k we can't say this is this Geared is a towards renovation. This is this is a result of another re- of ambition, another real Probably estate being purchase, impatient. Um, another real estate purchase, and um, having to deal with essentially personal loans. Actually, three real estate purchases. Let's be frankly honest. Yeah, three um, real estate purchases in the span of less than a year in a pandemic. In so, a pandemic um, where we canceled a wedding and taking the money that we had to go towards the wedding and putting it on a house instead of putting it towards debt so i would say we probably just didn't make they're not terrible decisions i think some people 
depending on how you look at it, right? It's either the glass is half full or half empty. I would say in this sense, with the things that we know, like expanding our family, um, the unpredictability of the pandemic, like we're really blessed. Even though we have four rental properties that are rented, we have tenants who are paying, uh, we have not run into those issues. So we are not in a place where we've had tenants go months or just decide they're not going to pay and then you can't evict them to get somebody else in there. Um, But I think the thought and idea of when you start to hear other people panic because they're in those positions, I think for me personally made me start to feel like, hey, if we could, especially at the price point that we buy properties at in Baltimore, if we're in a position where we could literally save up the cash to pay cash for a property, why not just go into this owning properties free and clear versus taking out mortgages? Um, And so I think one of the conversations that Jay and I have been having recently that we're still not really sure where we're at is, for us, we really need to start to define um, how much debt are we comfortable with carrying. Um, I would probably say I'm on the side of I'd prefer to carry less debt, with the exception of buying a house for ourselves. Well, and that's the confusing part. I mean, <laughs> what's, what is the de- <laughs> this debt? Guy. The debt is a debt, right? That so if we turn around and pay this debt off, um, and let's say within this year, which you know that's our that's our both our projected goals. Um, between offloading some properties and paying some properties off and getting rid, you know, and selling some, selling the renovation that we're currently under, um, which we plan on doing. Um, this probably, this most likely will be wiped away. As, I mean, let's be realistic. If we're looking at the numbers, it's a nervous, we're in a nervous place now or we're in a cautious place now, um, but it is real estate debt and it's debt that can be turned around and, um, and, and can be offloaded. It's not and the market's that, good right now to sell. The market is extremely hot right now with the low interest rates. So it's something that we can turn around and sell. But to turn around and then get a house. Jay's having a hard time own, with this. And get our own debt. Jay's that's probably going to be $500,000 or more. I mean, it it doesn't make any sense. Um, it's something and it's, and it's some details that we're hashing out with that now. Um, but you know, so it we'll doesn't make sense goes. to him. But right now we're renting and we're spending about twenty two hundred a month on a two bedroom apartment, which is perfectly fine. But trying to expand our family, I think the pandemic definitely has created a sense for me of wanting more space, some outdoor space for you know our son and our dog to run around in, not hearing our neighbors above us you know, their kids running around, things like that. Um, And I think, honestly, what changed, as Jay said, the interest rates are super low. And so, A, I feel like we're in an area that's strong in the sense that even if we move, we'll be able to likely rent out our property or sell it to get rid of it. Um, But also at the price point that we're at for rent, the likelihood of us being able to buy a property taking advantage of the VA loan where we don't need to put money down, we could still buy a decent property and potentially even save money on a mortgage because the interest rates are so low. So I think it's a situation that's evolving. I think the important thing that I think Jay has picked up on is that I honestly just want more space. So whether that's renting from someone else or um, renting a home or buying a home, that's, I think, at a place where 
it's really going to be do the cards line up right at the time that we're looking. Um, and we have other things that we're waiting for as far as career opportunities overseas that, you know, it's going to really be day by day. Um, but I think the difference is, is that we're carrying $500,000 worth of debt now. Um, and I have a desire to be in a larger space that that larger space was probably going to be in addition to that $500,000 worth of debt. Either way, if we were able to find a place that was the amount we spend for rent or less. So you see 500000 and we pay that off. And then we pick up another 500000 whereas I look at the numbers now, it's 500000 and tacking on an additional 500000 bringing us to a million dollars worth of debt, which I'm absolutely uncomfortable with carrying, even if we can afford it. I think we're both uncomfortable with a million dollars worth of debt. Uh, but the, it feels like it's one hand washing the other, right? Uh, but I guess it, it does make sense. We're paying that whatever we're paying for rent now is, you know, it's going to have to be paid. We have to live somewhere. Yeah. Apparently. So, I mean, uh, but you know, we'll see, we'll see how that, how that, how that evolves. Um, cause that is a, com- a continuing conversation. Um, and again, I, the, the point is you don't want to focus on, you don't want to lose focus on the, the real estate, the real estate goal, goal as well. Which I think um, Jay has a, a fear of is that we're going to get to a place where, and we can talk about like, we're redefining, um, our relationship with debt and part of redefining it, I think was these crunching number conversations that we have, you know, at least once or twice a month, probably more often, honestly, um, where we're now able to, you know, um, the way Jay and I manage finances, it's one account. It's not separate accounts and we're paying into anything. We definitely have kind of that philosophy which yeah, can be different from other couples everything is joined everything's coming into a couple of accounts everybody knows where the money is being spent it's easier to manage a budget that way um and you know it's easy to real you know it just makes sense I, I, i've never seen the, let's say this the way i grew up is you know everything is combined somebody just manages it right it is, and, and whoever is the best with money just manages it. in in our in our situation I think Liz would safely say that I manage it better. Um, so you're laughing. At me. <laughs> I'm that laughing not true? because <laughs> it's not necessarily manage it better. I just don't like dealing with money in that sense. Well, yeah. I'd rather have like and, tell and, me what the plan is. I think I, I'm always a good co-captain. I say manage it better. She was doing fine managing her own life before I got here. Let's say that. Yeah, I, I don't know. Why That's she, why I laugh. I don't know why she takes it as an insult. I don't take it as an insult. You I'm just took it, you took it as I an insult. I didn't take it as yeah, an insult. Did. I'm anyway. laughing. This guy. This guy. <laughs> anyway. No, I'm just laughing at the fact that it's like yes, he does better with that. But also, I think one of the things for me was like when you're getting married and you're in a relationship, like I want certain things to be taken off of my shoulders. The finances was something I was truly willing to just get off of my shoulders because guess what? Now I can focus on putting my energy elsewhere that Jay doesn't have to put his energy, like cleaning a bathroom or cleaning the kitchen or doing Sounds things like that. Sounds lazy to me. This guy. <laughs> no, but um, <laughs> there's certain things. There's certain things we we do better, and 
when it comes to this relationship. She does certain things better. I do certain things better. It's you know, plain That's what and makes simple. us a good couple. It's, it's, and, there's, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, some see it as submissive or whatever the case may be. But I'm but, very much involved in the money. And I think that's what important thing for people to understand, right? Is that Jay is managing the money, but it's constantly a conversation. I have access to all the accounts. I know where our money is going. Um, and so that's the way, like, he's talking about how he was raised. That's the way I was raised. My parents sat down at a table still today to talk about every month. This is how much money we have that came in. And I grew up in a household where my dad was the predominant provider financially, but my mom managed the money and still manages the money to a place where, you know, my dad's asking about, hey, I got my allowance. Your mom put my allowance in my bank account. And that just makes the most sense. I think, you know, it's easier to especially build the way we want to build with real estate, understanding financially where we're at. And if you have two separate accounts and you're living essentially sometimes as roommates, right? You know, you're splitting your bills and everything else you know, you're entitled to do what you want. And I told Jay, like, I think this works. That works for some people. I have uh, really close friends who manage their money that way. But even with that friend, we've had the conversation that for her it works because they don't have kids. So, you know, there isn't there isn't a ton of joint things that they need to um, figure out who's paying for what as well. Um, but for us, I feel like this you know, combined income and joint accounts just simplifies life, honestly. And inversely, I grew up the se- opposite way, right? Um, initially, I grew up that way. So my my parents, um, my father managed the money and, and knew where everything was. And my mother, she received her allowance. But, you know, when my father passed away, um, my mother didn't know where anything was. She didn't have access to anything. So she essentially had to start over. I vividly remember... Um, after my father's death, her scrambling just to find the social security cards because she had no idea where that stuff was. Um, so, you know, that's, I think, you know, you learn different lessons as you grow up. So I think that's something that, you know, to this day, I still remember it stuck in my head that, you know, she couldn't find just regular documents. Like she Lisa just imprint. Yeah. She didn't know where, you know, we, I remember scrambling through his closet, like going through a bunch of suitcases, just trying to find, um, uh, birth certificates I guess you need that when somebody dies I mean I wasn't that involved with the process but I know you know she was you know scrambling through the room like oh help me just help me look for this help me look for that because um, she just had no idea what that stuff was um, you know he took care of the house there were no you know we we didn't go without and any of that stuff but um, yeah she just had no idea and I just like I said that's a that's a memory that sticks in my head so I never thought it was the whole being separate thing has never wanted to approach it that way um and then again it is fine i have friends like like liz i have friends that do it obviously and and funny i have a friend that he recently told me that he just combined his, <laughs> his income with it. he just combined accounts and stuff with his wife and it changed it, it changed his whole viewpoint you know once he's once once they started it, and he's pretty recent with it but they were doing things separately as, as you said essentially it's not you don't want to insult it by saying it's anybody's relationship by saying it's like roommates but essentially yeah. you guys you know you get your own money and then you put money in a pot and that those are the, that's where the bills are paid and the rest of it you do what you want with it because i guess you earned it 
But, you know, we just we just decided to go a different way. We just had to start off that way. Right. If it doesn't work out, she doesn't stick to the budget. But she barely does. Um, Here we go. <laughs> and I want to say, I didn't mean insulting as roommates. Just the sense of typically when people split bills, the first relationships you think of of people splitting bills is roommates. Um, I've had cousins who live that way. And I think that's, like you said, um, lasting impressions. I can remember, you know, listening to kind of, uh, my cousin, when uh, she first got married and discussions about her, her and her husband were splitting bills. And for me, not being raised that way, it was a little bit confusing because I can remember some of the kind of funny antics when I was in college of like, oh, don't spend like don't have the AC because the electricity's bill going to be too high, running it too high. And you just think like, gosh, like you know you're living in one household together that it's got to be it was comical at the time but you can just imagine that at that point like now each person is vying for trying to save money on their particular bill that they're paying in their marital household so for me like jay said it just wasn't anything that ever crossed our mind um and i'm i'm super conscious i think another reason why jay laughs about like the budget um is that like Look, I like to spend money. He's a saver. That's always kind of you end up sometimes in a relationship with people who are Absolutely. those ways. Um, that having the joint account, I feel like, holds me accountable. And it's similar to when we were paying off debt. That you know, we were having those conversations early on. Like Jay walked me through, okay, my budget. Okay, you should be taking X amount of dollars paying towards debt, and he was constantly checking in. And so I never you know part of i think the pressure internal pressure that i feel not from jay but just because you know i know sticking to the budget or paying off debt towards our goals makes him happy and you know i don't want to cause him any stress especially if um you grew up in a household where you know i grew up in probably upper middle class that grew into an upper middle class family but my parents still have uh, financial goals that they're paying towards and still have a significant amount of debt. And at their age, after a while, it becomes, it could become stressful on your relationship. And I think knowing that that's not what I want for Jay. So seeing him uncomfortable with the debt and hearing those conversations where he seemed a lot more uncomfortable than he'd been in the past with the amount of debt we had started to make me feel uncomfortable. I think you really need to know yourself too. Um, Part of it is understanding how your emotional um, well-being with debt. Um, there's a, and, and and that comes down to the amount of debt that you're comfortable carrying, right? Um, so a light hundred thousand dollars to us is like, or to me emotionally is like, okay, yeah, we're fine. Like as Liz already mentioned <laughs> that, like yeah, we're cool. I'm walking around like that's you know we it, got it because it. it really is. Okay, especially if it's real estate debt, it's like it's okay. Um, even if a tenant doesn't pay, God forbid, uh, it'll be fine. But you just, you get the five hundred thousand, and my tone changes, my energy changes every time. I, and I and I'm energy and changes I am seriously. And I am like, it, it's it's a unhealthy relationship when I with these spreadsheets. <laughs> every morning, probably every night, but definitely every morning. It's the like, hey, good morning, love you, kisses, and he's at this table looking at. It's a routine, and, and it's a routine, and that and and that that routine is the same, whether we're in debt or not, actually. So, and yeah. I don't mind the routine. It was the 
attitude that followed after you would look at the spreadsheet that started to hit me where, you know, he'd wake up happy and then all of a sudden he's looking at it and then starts the conversations of like, okay, we really got to pay off this debt. And for me, I think that's also the warning sign. If Jay says we really have to do something, that means that like we're at a place where it's not as comfortable as what it used to be. And I would say, okay, and we like to keep this like put perspective, you know, an honest perspective of where we're at with debt. So despite carrying half a million dollars worth of debt right now, every month we do have excess. Yeah, correct. So we have a, a decent amount of excess. How much? About, about 7000 in excess. So uh-huh. we could take that money, which was initially our plan, right? Our initial goal was now let's just take the seven Gs that we have every month and pay towards debt. I think... The issue that I started to have was that even if we take 7K and start paying towards this half a million dollars worth of debt, you know, you're looking at a significant period of time um, to pay that all off. And I think for me, what started to dawn on me was that, you know, we had this idea that COVID kind of not messed up, but COVID put a delay on getting overseas as soon as we expected or hoped for that potentially we're not going to get overseas as quickly as possible. So getting overseas means we're not paying for rent. So that puts an extra bit of money in our pocket that we plan to, hey, get overseas and start paying off all of our rental properties that we started to look at the numbers and honestly what changed it was I asked Jay for his spreadsheet because we debated which spreadsheet made the most sense for a few months. Clearly the one managing the money is King. So we're using his spreadsheet. Makes sense. Duh. (laughs) (laughs) Which is fine. Although his spreadsheet to me, it took a while for me to get used to it, but I started looking. It's even color coded people. It's really not. It's color. We're not going to go into his (laughs) spreadsheet. Okay. I had a much simpler spreadsheet, but essentially looking at his spreadsheet, the number of basically 494,000 kept staring at me. And for days I kept looking at it. And all I got fixated on was that, oh my gosh, we have $494,000 worth of debt. We have four. And then now I'm starting to feel the level of discomfort that Jay feels. And now I'm starting to completely understand why every morning when he's looking at this spreadsheet and coming back in the room, that his disposition has totally changed. Like that's a lot. And that's a lot when you think about, at least to me, other things that we're looking at like a one big thing that we're not paying for right now is childcare with the pandemic because our schedules have we've been blessed that you know even though we decided to do um an online private school we have not had to put c to have a child care provider correct yeah. so we save a nice bit of money with that but we're also hoping to expand our family and we all know that's going to cost And so I think that started to get a little daunting to think to me, like, okay, where are we going to get the other bit of money? And it's not that we don't have the money. It's what happens to us being able to reach the goals that we have with real estate, which I recognize is really important to both of us. Like, I still want to build a real estate empire, but at this place... I feel like there's a better way to do it, which I think Jay is kind of hopefully on board for. I mean, part of it is, is also, um, you know, just doing some self-awareness. Like, are you keeping up with the Joneses by, you know, and this, these are questions that I'm asking myself. Are you keeping up with the Joneses by accumulating 
a bunch of properties, accumulating a bunch of properties, or does it make sense to to just do it the unconventional way? Um, you know, and, and those are just difficult conversations that I've been having with myself. Unconventional meaning what? Unconventional meaning buying a house outright and doing it that way. It's a slower process. Um, to a point, until you get enough, and then it's. But it, especially to the especially it's it's a slow process, especially now that we figured out the financing process. That's what's a little frustrating as well. It's like <laughs> we got just got to the point where we're not born. We're not using anybody's money at this point to. Yeah, yeah we're, we're not using our money. We we're not using out our to... money to do anything <laughs> with this process. So it's like we just figured that out, and now you want to pay cash. Now you want to pay cash, but I mean. Do we accumulate seven, eight, ten properties really, really quickly and still generate the same amount of income that we can make by paying off three, four properties relatively quickly? Um, and that's what it comes down to, right? Because, like, for one of our properties that we own, we're bringing in, at like, almost $300 a month. And mm-hmm. we are carrying, like, a $52,000 debt on it. And so it kind of comes down to, like, Oh, we want to be able to come in and have properties that bring at least twelve hundred dollars a month, um, or more in rental uh, income, and we're also investing in an area where we realize too that one of the properties that we recently purchased, we purchased it for under eighty thousand dollars, and that in theory, when we started to look at our numbers um, by offloading money and looking at our income, we could probably save and pay cash in a year, one house a year. And I think when you start to look at you hearing a lot of people carrying these large amount of debts, you're really dependent on other people to make sure, you know, and if you do things right after a while, you have your money in reserve and it doesn't matter if anyone's paying, but look, I'll be the first to admit, even once I put that money in reserve, I would like that to be our money that we're using to invest in, other um investments like you know the stock exchange mutual funds things like that and not that you know besides the reserve that we need our six months that we're not worried that there could be a drought because i mean look at this pandemic like at this point with the way things are going now there's definitely some real estate investors who are going on probably almost getting close to a year where they may have not have received any rental yeah. income. And yes, you may have had reserves for six months and you may be able to scrap by the next three to four to six months. But what happens after that year, that's going to be a slow roll road to build all that money back up. And I think I don't want to be tied to that. I would t- say that for me, which is why paying cash right now seems so appealing um compared to continue to go down the road of borrowing significant amounts of money from people so in the long short of it it was was we we have assessed our situation and we we have we have new goals um just different ways and we're just hashing out how we're approaching those but there are new goals and uh, real estate is still involved in it and paying off debt is still involved in it and luckily we're in a position where you know this could be this large amount of debt, as Dave Ramsey would say, we have a pretty big shovel. Um, so as far as income and things we can do to offload this debt, and thankfully it's mainly real estate debt, and all these properties are have an ample amount of equity in them. So um, yeah. that's, a, that's a good thing in well, as well. 
Um, so hey, we are blessed when it comes to that. I mean, we I, I will say that. And, you know, you look forward to, to figuring out how we're going to tackle this. But um, we, we, we do want to be sure that we don't divert from the plan. Um, so, yeah. Are that, you worried about that? Diverting from the plan? Yeah, I am. I'm worried about diverting from the plan. Not because we intentionally want to divert from the plan, but other things come. I think other things come up. I mean, life happens. Life happens. Yeah, <laughs> life happens. I mean, it's easy to it's easy to say no. We don't want to because we probably generally. I'm, I'm sure we generally don't want to, but I mean, because we both had real estate before being each other, so it's not like yeah. this is a new thing. Or I'm forcing you to do something. You're forcing me to do get into something. No. It's something that we both were doing prior, and we both enjoy it. We both enjoy the it's residual really income coming from it. <laughs> we both enjoy the process, but life happens when you get a house and you got to furnish that house and you got to take care of that house and you know your money starts dwindling looking at me real real strong you have a kid you gotta take care of that kid you pray that baby's healthy but you gotta take care of that kid yeah all that stuff all that stuff happens so then child care all that thing all those things happen those are those are realistic things so you start diverting away from your plan um you can it's easy to for easy for it to fall behind and and fall by the wayside so i think though honestly I think in my mind, I feel like um, the plan that we have to offload and what we're looking at and hoping for is basically to offload probably four of the five properties. Um, And essentially that will put us in a place where we're debt free and then focus on paying off one of our properties that has a really good basically double equity so we owe 70 on that property and the property we were recently told could probably sell for about 150 but it's bringing in twelve hundred dollars worth of rental income so it's right in the price point that we are interested in buying in the future um and it's one of the ones that as the conversation has evolved initially it was like pay them all like sell them all not pay them all but sell all the properties let's just get rid and rich um get rid of the debt and start fresh where you know we sat back and you know i feel like god works in really great ways to you know give us that pause that when we had the conversation of which properties we can sell you know uh, the person we're working with came back and said oh if you didn't have a tenant in there you can get basically 150,000 versus 110 so then you sit back and you kind of look at the numbers that okay, if we were going to be able to save about 70000 in 10 months, we could pay off that property really quickly. So why even sell that one if we could hold on to it? So these are the kind of the conversations that we're having that evolve um, as we're trying to figure out how are we changing course. And I would say we're mindfully changing course. So real estate is still a priority. That's something that, like Jay said, makes us really happy. Um, but being realistic that, yes, um, adding to our family, the likely child care expenses that we'll have next year. Um, all those things are going to cost us. I personally feel like we'll be in a better position to be able to handle those costs, uh, potentially find a home for ourselves, as well as build the real estate than we would in the state that we're in now, carrying as much real estate debt as we are. Um, and I think, like, Jay, I know he looks at me with a budget, but it is going to take discipline. So, I mean... Our budget's on our refrigerator. I mean, we're writing it down, budgeting down to groceries, date nights, all of those good things. Um, and we're not super strict in the sense that, like, 
we don't have any money to spend. Um, I have a budget of what excess money I can spend a month. It's really just sticking to it and staying focused and realizing what's really important. So we set our goals for 2021. And one of the things for me is, you know, I definitely come from, you know, being single and being able to spend my money the way I would like to spend my money to it is a rude awakening that, A, I no longer have money. It is our money. So I can't just spend our money any way I would like to. I had to be conscious about, you know, are these things I really need? Um, one blessing from the pandemic is we're not going anywhere. So if I buy Absolutely. something new, I mean, the only person that's going to see me is Jay and whatever new outfit <laughs> that I'm buying or whatever new, whatever new I have, I still go into the office, but like, oh, now I've gone from like really caring what my coworkers see me in because I only see them like once in a blue moon based upon our work schedule and trying to keep safe distance with COVID that, you know, if I wear the same five outfits every week, it doesn't even <laughs> matter because I don't see everyone. Um, but that's more so a personal conversation with myself that, you know, I really like nice things, but defining, and I think Jay has had this conversation with me about where is that being materialistic and just enjoying what you like to enjoy and there's nothing wrong with that because um, i mean i think we, we i mean not i think i know we both we both like nice things there's not a um you know there's no differentiation be- between us when it comes to that but you know we you know there, there's a there's a time and, and place for that i mean i think we, we've been there we're not there now and we will get, <laughs> we will get we will get back there. that hurts um, my heart to hear we're not there now but you know those conversations are important that back and forth dialogue of and it, it may be you know what's the word um you maybe if i'm doing it too much like it's as far as looking at the spreadsheet and talking about it too much obsessive uh, but maybe obsessive, obsessive um but it's necessary though if he wasn't looking necessary. at it this would be no similar to our gym routine like it'll fall to the wayside yeah. so it's so, so critical to stay on top of it um and i appreciate that because he's doing that it takes off stress from me having to worry about the numbers or i'm not in a relationship with someone who is just kind of the free spirit about numbers which means that one like i would have to take on that responsibility and i'm super appreciative that like how far do you think this this is in trouble we would have been able to get into if you were in a relationship with somebody like that if there was no obsession like with a the numbers, free spirit would, person yeah. oh no i would have with turned into you now. with where we are now what do you mean with where we are now so if if i wasn't the type to look at the numbers and you know we just kept buying real estate how much you know because we purchased three properties in a year essentially um and we went if if we really didn't sit down and look at these numbers we probably would have bought two more if we yeah. were like in the if we were both similar yeah correct oh no because see what would happen is if i dated someone who was like me i would have turned into you okay because i would have had to stay on top of the numbers because i'm too afraid of like losing everything i'm super gotcha. afraid of like i don't want to wake up and then realize like oh my gosh we're living paycheck to paycheck i can't afford but a huge part of this is that like jay from the start of this relationship you've been this way right so you brought the debt-free journey so like 
I probably would have ended up with someone where like I wouldn't be back in DC. I would have probably stayed out overseas to be able to maintain the nice cush lifestyle where I felt comfortable that I wasn't living paycheck to paycheck. But I think you've shown a different side of like, oh, we could be debt free. We can save up all this money. We can buy these rental properties. We can have the, you know, passive income that we're hoping for that, you know, and I think you have to, one thing Dave Ramsey preaches is you have to understand your why. Why are you doing this? Um, A big thing for me is like, I want to be able to give. And I don't mean just like, you know, taking care of family, but, you know, I would love to be at a place where, you know, some of our rental properties we're subsidizing the rent for, you know, a single mother trying to get on her feet and things like that. I think there's different aspects of what our ultimate goal is at the end of the day. And I tell Jay all this all the time that, like, I love to travel, uh, love spending time with our family, that, you know, I want us to be in a place where we literally can tell our large family that, hey, psh, book your plane ticket, come to, you know, wherever place, everything's paid for, taken care of. All you need to do is book your plane ticket and maybe eventually be in a place where we're paying for everybody's plane ticket. The time together, those memories, all those things really, really make me happy. So nothing in my closet, no jewelry on my hand or on my body makes me more happy than the ability to share those type of experiences with our family and friends. And for me, ultimately, that's kind of the place that I would like to be in, you know, because Jay all the time continually will ask me, like, what's the ultimate end game? Like, exactly how much money do you want to make from this? And I always tell him, like, I want to make enough to be comfortable that we can make substantial purchases and not blink an eye, um, you like, know. Knowing your why is, is definitely important. Um, yeah, I, we, we both are we love our family so and our family is huge and as we <laughs> as we saw with thanksgiving and not all of them were even there but you know those are those are the, the best times and being and not wanting to stress or even yeah. think twice about um getting a big house and just rent it out for the for a holiday and having everybody over and it not being a it not being an issue it wasn't an issue this year but you know it's just some one of those things that you want to be able to constantly do if yeah. possible um, especially when you, we put ourselves in a position to do it, and we put, put ourselves in a position to do it, and we're earning it. Um, like I said, we work we, hard, play hard is definitely what we believe in. We've been disciplined enough to do it once; we could do it again and again. I think this time it's going to be easier. Um, like I said, we we're recording this podcast now, but you know the process has already started <laughs> as far as um, you know offloading the properties that we discussed and and finish wrapping up the the one renovation that we have. And getting that, getting that on the market, and getting that property sold. So, um, I'm, I'm confident we'll be we'll be just fine. Um, but you know, it's just going to take some more conversations, hashing out exactly how we're going through the process. And as you said, I think I'm definitely leaning towards the whole going the debt free route because you know, those it, we did all this in the pandemic, and we got really, <laughs> really lucky. I, I've, I've said that multiple times throughout this podcast. We've got to really be lucky for us to have this amount of properties and all the tenants paying on time. Very no blessed. No issues. Um, it, this could be worse. <laughs> this could be a world. Yeah, a we worse could be situation. looking at offloading from a different perspective. Absolutely. Like we're having to make a fire sale, and you know, and the tenants aren't paying rent, and we got to sell these properties at a discount. So thankfully, we're not in that situation. Um, so 
you know, we, again, just changing course and, and changing our mind frame of the way we do things. I think we got a little overzealous <laughs> with um, once we got debt free and we saw the amount of money that was coming in, we we saw that as our opportunities to go ahead and buy more properties. Um, yeah. If we were in hindsight, we would have we should have probably just waited. Should have took a pause, yeah. probably. Took a pause and and you know we could have did this a, a little smarter. Yeah, in so. a different way. And I think like that's the one thing. So we brought two properties that already had tenants in them. So for us, those were safe buys. And one of our tenants um, has uh, a sec- Section, Section eight. 8 subsidy, which, you know, I hadn't paid much attention to. But there's tons of properties. There's a significant amount of properties in Baltimore similar to this, which for us, we started to realize like during the pandemic, if we're going to buy, we felt like those were safe buys because the government was going to pay and they that pay rent. faithfully every month first of the month the money is in your account before you can even pay your mortgage so right uh, and there's properties that are 90 percent, 100 percent, 50 percent um and then we did the renovation which i felt like you know jay will definitely say he regrets the renovation that we're doing not pulling out i feel like it was necessary um you know part of our idea for building this real estate empire is to do renovations we don't have or we didn't have a solid team of contractors we weren't well aware of all the intricacies that go into renovating a property we've renovated different properties all along the way but the amount of time we spent into the property that we're doing now learning you know what type of drywall you need in the bathroom you know, what's the regulations that are required in Baltimore, I feel like it was a necessary um, process for us to go through, even though we plan to sell this property, because I think it's going to better prepare us to make an assessment on if a property is really worth the time and effort that we want to put into it, because we definitely under budgeted for this renovation. but I think it's going to enable us to be stronger moving forward to make better real estate assessments. But a renovation of this magnitude is something that you know we we probably shouldn't shouldn't have embraced either. Right. This was a very 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 big renovation. No back to the house. Um, yeah, completely. You, it was a. Well, we'll be able to post some before and after pictures, but it was a complete <laughs> um, complete gut job. Quarter um, house. It was a bit, it was, yeah, we probably could have started smaller, but I think with that, like, you know, we found our contractor because the person who did the demo, um, you know, was like, hey, do you have a contractor? And we were still trying to figure that out. And it turns out that the contractor we have is really great. But the blessing, yeah, that, that the blessing in disguise was not only the contractor, but the entire renovation team that we found. Yes. Um, we have some um, solid. Our, Solid electrician, solid plumber, solid HVAC. Um, the three, the, the, those for those that don't know that, those are the mechanical issues of a home. Though that's the guts of the house. And when we say solid, we mean people are showing up on time. People can give you a straight estimate of it's going to take me three days to get in and do this, and it's done in three days. Quality work. They have good relationships passing, with the passing, inspectors. Passing the Baltimore City inspections the first time around, um, yeah, we that was that was definitely the blessing in disguise and, and very very prompt work. Um, and you you can really trust the group that we have. So that's that's a it's a great thing that came out of this renovation. Yeah, I, I would have backed out 
um, you know, and maybe we would have learned that lesson later if we had waited to do the renovation. But for me, that's the like the silver lining in this cloud of our current renovation is the relationships, the professional relationships that we have uh, connected with that are critical. I think also moving the, forward. the financing relationships um, oh, that yeah. we got through the three properties. So our one banker that we have that you know he's essentially a phone call away whenever we need a mortgage um being able to obtain a, a line of uh, a private money line of credit and which was a referral from right the the banker who was yeah. the one yeah a referral from him i would it was a referral from another investor in baltimore city nice um so yeah just building that you know just having that network of individuals you can go to um throughout the entire real estate process there's something that you know we now have in our kit bag that that's definitely gonna um improve any investing that we, that we do later on so all in all um i would say that's where we're at today with debt uh we're continuing to redefine and rebuild um at this stage which i think honestly is perfect we're starting out our marriage and you know it's a good time to do a refresh and Absolutely. focus um, on where do we go from here to reach the goal that we have with our real estate endeavors. So we're definitely hoping um, that you enjoyed this podcast episode and, you know, tune in uh, next week to hear more about our journey um, with redefining our relationship with debt, as well as how we continue to blend our lives together. All right. It's been a pleasure.